When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Well, you know, well as well can be. I'm just back in from a dog walk. It's freezing out there. Says it's seven, but it's not. Real feel is one or zero and my hands are cold. So I thought the best way to warm them up again was to just, you know, play around on the keyboard a little bit. Not the tippity typity typing keyboard. But the, the music keyboard that I have, and I thought, wow, some mood music, that would be good, wouldn't it? Some some kind of sad strings, you know, that would sum up the mood that we're all in at the moment. And I realized I'd spent about eight and a half minutes recording just tuneless crap, you know. I don't know. Somebody put some plaintive piano over that or something, and it would... It would just sum up how we're all feeling after what has been a really kind of shit week, hasn't it? Been a terrible, terrible week from a football point of view. But before we get into all that, let me tell you just about our sponsor today. It's Cornerstone. They do shavy stuff. If you want to shave wherever it might be, your face, your armpits, your legs, whatever you would like to shave, check out cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog and you get a razor engraved with your own initials. Uh, also, you get all the best blades, you get shaving products, the whole lot. And every time uh, somebody signs up with Cornerstone, it helps support the podcast. So check it out, cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. It does help support the podcast. And, uh, well, I think after the week we've had, we could all do with whatever little bit of support we can get. Um, and that's not to, it's not to pull on your heartstrings or anything like that. I'm, I'm moved away from that now. I'm talking about... Football and Jesus, football, football. It's why, why, why do we do it? Why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we hope? They say it's the hope that kills you, but it's not. It's not the hope. It's the cancer or the heart disease or the getting hit by a bus or lots of other things that can kill you. But the hope, the hope doesn't keeps you alive. The hope is like when you see a movie and they torture a guy. And they're torturing him and torturing him and torturing him. And he's like, ah, this is so painful. Stop. The torture is really painful because torture by its nature is, is quite painful indeed. And then he's, it's just so painful that he passes out. He passes out some blessed relief from the torture and the pain and the agony and the searing hurt and everything else. The nerve endings. Just, ah. And the hope... The hope is the fucker that comes along with a bucket of water and throws it in the guy's face and wakes him up again. That's what the hope is. That's what this week has been like. I don't know. It's been just really disheartening. Uh, as we talked about on the Arscast Extra on Monday, 
just... You see the thing, you know? You, you see the thing, and the thing is the Premier League, and the Premier League that we haven't lifted since 20, 20, 2004. See, it's racking my head, this whole thing. And you see it there. And it's not easy. I think we all know that it's not easy to win the Premier League title. It's not. Even when we were the Invincibles, it wasn't easy. We had difficult games. I remember people saying that season, we're drawing too many games, we're drawing too many. And there was like a 1-1 draw against Leicester and actually Cole might have got sent off and everyone's going, oh, we're drawing. This is, You know, it, it, it's not easy to win the Premier League. But at the same time, when you see it there and you see the opportunity that we have, even after a pretty dismal January, a pretty dismal January and most of a dismal-ish February, it's there. You can still see it. It's not out of reach. You're looking at where we are in the table. You're looking at who we're up against. We're up against Leicester. We're up against Tottenham, two teams who have absolutely no history of winning the Premier League, of challenging for the Premier League. Manchester City are a mess. Manchester United were a mess. They're coming back. But it's there. It's right there. It's in the distance. You can see it. And we're Arsenal, and we've won the FA Cup for two years in a row, and we've got good players in our team. And then you go to Old Trafford, and you're playing two center midfielders at center half, and a young guy at left back and a young guy up front and it's there for you to take the chance and you don't take the chance and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then you talk about bouncing back, responding. We have to react. We have to turn the criticism into motivation. You're playing Swansea, a team battling relegation. Again, nobody says that that should be easy. Shouldn't be easy when you're playing a team that's fighting for their lives in the Premier League. However, Swansea are a team who made six changes, three of them in the back four, and their head coach was taken to hospital on the day of the game with a, I don't know what he had, some kind of illness, and hopefully he's feeling better now and he's not in hospital because they're terrible places to be for anybody. And you're, you're going, okay. Use the criticism as motivation. Cement your credentials, such as they are, in the wake of the United game, and really go for it. Have a good go at this team, because, let's face it, they're not down that end of the table for no reason. There is a reason why they're down there. As hard as they're going to fight and as hard as they're going to play, there's a reason why they're at that end of the table. So go and do it. Just go on. Do it. It's there. Look, Premier League in the distance. Just do it. Bounce back. Respond. React. And we did for, what, half an hour? More or less, anyway. 15, 20 minutes. Very bright opening to the game. Alexis had hit the post. Joel Campbell scored a goal, a really good goal. Alexis passed Joel Campbell sliding in and finishing it. Like, lovely improvised finish. Okay, that is what you need. Goals have been hard to come by. First halves have come and gone without us scoring or looking threatening in any way. But we have a goal after 15 minutes. You couldn't ask for anything more than that. Now, you've put yourself in that position. Make the most of it. Now, I thought it was a foul on Mesut Ozil. 
in the build-up to their goal, their equaliser, but fuck me. You know, we, we should be used at this point to not getting fouls and not getting things given to us. I'm not using that as any kind of excuse, but the way that that guy, this fucking Wayne Routledge, Wayne Routledge, who hasn't scored in a year, a man whose name, if you say it over and over again, sounds even more ridiculous than it does in the first place. Wayne Routledge, Wayne Routledge, Wayne Routledge. Silly. He just, you know, ghosts between a couple of defenders and finishes. And then it's 1-1. 1-1. And we've been in this position before, leading a game when we go in at halftime, uh, you know, having let in a stupid goal. But, you know, you're still there. You're at home. And you, it's the Premier League. The Premier League's over there. It's Leicester and Tottenham. The Premier League. We take off our best attacking player. And after Joel Campbell went off, we didn't look anywhere near as uh, incisive. Now, I think maybe second half he faded a little bit. I think uh, that's not unreasonable to say. But at the same time, when a guy has scored you a goal and has been creative and has done the best attacking work on the pitch, you don't take him off. And the reason he took him off was because he is sort of expendable because he's down the pecking order in the manager's thinking. You know, we know that from the way that Joel Campbell has been in and out of the team this season. That he's the easiest one to take off. But it wasn't a substitution based on on merit in any way. It was a substitution based on a pecking order, a hierarchy that Arsene Wenger has in his mind. Within, what, 20 seconds of him coming off, we should have been behind. Sigurdsson missed an open goal. I mean, how do we let that happen? How do we let an open goal situation uh, come to pass? Bad defending. Gabriel was bad. Gabriel was bad when he gave away the free kick. A lazy, lazy, Ebue, Danielson-esque tackle, which gave them a free kick, and the delivery from Sigurdsson was fantastic. I mean, we should know that, that he's he's capable of putting in great dead balls. Um, we didn't do enough to defend that. I don't think Czech was at his best. But, you know, you're 2-1 down. You still have 15 minutes, uh, plus whatever injury time. And what's our answer? We throw on Theo Walcott, a man with two goals in 24 games, for Alexis Sanchez, who was playing like a bag of shit in the second half. There's no two ways about it. He was vaguely culpable in that second goal for getting caught in possession or making a bad pass, which they intercepted. But, you know, he had an assist, and he tries, and he's involved, and he works hard. Like, if if your cavalry is Theo Walcott, you're going to get fucking scalped. Sorry. That's the way it works. And so, from a week, uh, you know, four days when we're looking for, what, six points? Because you're playing a, like a ragtag United side and Swansea at home. You have, you have no points. And unfortunately, I haven't passed out with the pain at all. The torture, oh, it hurts. It's painful. It's agonizing to watch this shit but I haven't passed out with the pain. And Hope hasn't come along and thrown his bucket of ice-cold water in there to wake me up again. And the ridiculous part about all this is that, you know, the Premier League this season is so attainable for this group of players. Alexis Sanchez saying, we have the quality of players who can win the title, we just don't have the belief. We lack the kind of hunger. Which is an amazing thing to say. But I'm going to talk about his comments and everything else uh, in a few moments' time when, uh, when I introduce the guests. 
Do we need any more sad synth? I don't know. Needs to be sadder than that, I think, for what's happened this week. Um, okay, well, look, let's do it then. Let me um, let me welcome the guests to this week's show. First up, a little bit of a podcast crossover from the Tuesday Club. It's Tyre Papula. Hi there. Hello, Andrew. Thanks for having me on, mate. Absolute pleasure. Tim Stillman, good evening and hello to you. Good evening and hello to everybody. Hello to everyone. Yes, you're right. We shouldn't be so... Listeners, everything. (laughs) Everyone in the whole world. Um, All right. Well, look, this week has been a week in which there has been an outpouring of anger and frustration, and we all know why and we all understand why. But maybe what we should try and do in, in this conversation, as much as we can... Is is try and make sense of it, or or figure out like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's start with with what happened um, against Swansea. We needed an early goal to sort of calm the nerves and get everybody a bit relaxed, and we did that. We got the early goal. Everyone was more relaxed. Joel Campbell was great. He was running around and. And then, you know, it just seemed like that was the peak. The 15th minute when we scored was the peak of the game, Tim. And then mm. from there, we, you know, we just we just arsenaled the fucking shit out of it. Yeah, it, it's been a I, I actually thought um, we were really, well, really good, probably overstating it. But relatively, compared to what we've been serving up over the last couple of months, we were really good until Swansea equalised. Um and the Swansea equaliser did really come out of nowhere. Um, they weren't really pushing for it. Um, and, you know, the the goal was, I, I think we were a little bit hard done by on a couple of decisions, but we still didn't cover ourselves in glory. Mm. And it's definitely been a theme of the last two games where actually we started against United okay. I thought the first 20 minutes we were, we were pretty decent at Old Trafford. And then as soon as we conceded a goal this kind of just sheer panic seemed to set in and it was kind of the same against Swansea really the game just went in kind of three stanzas in terms of we started very well we imposed ourselves on the game we were creating chances we scored they equalized we panicked a bit they went ahead and we really really panicked after that and that's you know that's just a symptom really of Mm. a very low confidence I think at the moment and as soon as we ship a goal we just we look really really vulnerable um, and it, it, it's very difficult to make sense of you know the the, the confidence issue certainly I think mm. it's been very apparent for a couple of months that the team's dysfunctional that it yeah, doesn't I, have the right balance of I have all players and runners and, and whatnot but yeah. this is this is something else is going on there as well in terms of the underlying confidence. Mm, I have a theory about that. We'll come to that in, in a couple of a couple of minutes' time. Uh, Tayo, when when they scored with 15 minutes to go, there was like a there was sort of um I was I was expecting more booze from the television coverage and from the stands because I thought that's the way that people would react. But instead, it seemed there was just this weary resignation as to well, yes, of course, that's what was going to happen. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, a yeah. bit of both. Actually. A bit of both, really. Um, I mean, again, something will come on to how sort of how you know how toxic it felt in there um, at times yesterday. But I mean, <clears throat> I settled down to the game not wanting to be there, which is kind of standard, <laughs> standard for standard for the season so far. Um, the guys around me were were in a really good mood. So, you know, of course, it's Arsenal at home, so you get quite excited again. And like and, and like Tim said, we scored. You know, we we scored. I didn't quite relax 
um, at the time we scored just because we have in peak Arsenal uh, mode at the moment mm. and I just you know uh, there's a part of the muscle memory of easy <laughs> home victories uh, you know settling in uh, to, to enjoy the game um, that's still sort of there but then the mind kicks in going we're going to mess this up in a minute right mm. and and I'll disagree with you a little bit Tim um, with the goal I mean I felt hard done by it at the time because you because you just do but that's the second time in recent weeks that um, um, that um, Ozil um, has allowed himself to be kind of bullied like that this this kind of it, it's what happens over here and um I, I feel a little less hard done by by that. Then you know the, the other mistakes kind of coming up, to, uh, uh, leading up to them scoring, um, which frustrated me more than, than 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 the supposed free kick. And as you say, when when their goal went in, it just I've just remembered now that we don't come back anymore. I mean, we don't come back from these kind of situations anymore like mm. we used to. So there was certainly a resignation um, from the players, but in the stands, it felt a lot more like anger. You know, the, the next misplaced pass was going to spark everyone off. Mm. And, that's, and that's exactly what happened. And it felt um, it felt brutal in there yesterday at times. Mm. It's a good job, in fairness, that we don't misplace too many passes. Otherwise, people would have gone fucking, fucking <laughs> mental. I mean, what does it say before we continue with this? So what does it say, Tayo, that, you know, this is a game of, we came off the back of a terrible uh, result against Manchester United and everyone's fucked off uh, and rightly so because that was a, a blown opportunity but um, Leicester dropped points the night before we're still in a title race and you're looking around the stadium and that's not a stadium that's packed with people who are like into a title challenge. No, I think uh, I think we've all I think we've all felt for a while that we've been doing you know, we've been top or near the league in spite of ourselves. I think, I think any you know any seasoned Arsenal fan will would have known that it doesn't take much for the house of cards to come you know tumbling down. Basically, uh, that's sort of the house of sand. Where's the analogy? House anyway, of cards, that yeah. Is house of cards to come tumbling mm. down? So, so yeah, I think it's. I think what happened next is what we've all kind of half thought would happen next. I mean, I don't. None. I really. I knew Tottenham wouldn't win last night. Um, <laughs> I just knew because because Tottenham still. But um, <laughs> but worse than you know. But worse than that still is because of Ars- because Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't going we to capitalise on it, and I think there's. I think it's just we're getting as fans. We're getting more and more tired, or more weary. Of the, of the same thing happening, of course. Mm. Arsene Wenger said afterwards, Tim, that he felt the team were unlucky having hit the, the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah. so how how is it, can you be so unlucky that you, you keep having the same bad luck over and over again? Is that just really, <laughs> really, really unlucky or is there a, a deeper no. lying problem? No, I, I think in in isolation, I think he was absolutely right. I, I don't think even, you know, as, as bad as we were for certainly half of the game, we, we still didn't deserve to lose, I don't think. Um, I still think we did enough to win. I, I keep thinking back to, do you remember a league game against Newcastle in January that we won 1-0 mm. and we were abject and we played a lot better than that. Um, but we kind of, we lucked that one a little bit. Um, and won it 1-0 and so nobody really worries too much about the performance and I, I thought we were better than that last night 
Um, but no, I, you know, in isolated incidents, yes, you can be a bit unlucky and, you know, decisions haven't been great for us. So we've, we've been had some kind of grievances over a number of goals that have gone in. But over a kind of longer period of time, no, it's not about bad luck. I mean, my own, uh, and this is just me really, when it comes to kind of finishing, if a goalkeeper makes a save, I just consider it a, a poor finish. If they hit the woodwork, I mean, it depends on the context. I, I tend to chalk that slightly more on the luck end of the spectrum. Again, some some kind of hitting, sometimes hitting the woodwork is unluckier than, than others. Like when Sanchez hits it from a free kick, well, there's not much more you can ask him to do there. And, you know, you look a couple of weeks ago and Chamberlain smacks one in off the post and you look at that Sanchez curler in the first half I mean that there's there's a millimeter between those two shots mm. um but over the whole piece no um we've we've just not been clinical enough and that's and I think that's a bit of a symptom of we we don't move the ball well enough at the moment and so when we it's such a huff and puff to get the ball close to the goal that once we're actually there there's just no serenity mm. um, well, let's just, because so- it's yeah, because because it, it's just so frantic, and it's just you know we we're snatching at them, and 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 I I think that's that's just a product of the way we're playing. Tyler? I was I was just going to say, I mean, uh, on on the on the three uh, woodwork chances yesterday, Giroud should have scored. Yeah, Giroud mm-hmm. just should have scored. You know, from there, full throttle puts his wrong foot through it, but he's you know he's he's hit the bar from eight yards from a perfect knockdown. He should have. <laughs> And um, being 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 tough because we are today, then um, the Alexis chance comes about because you know Alexis this time last year scores that before he's even had the chance, you know, before he's even come to that because he because he fluffed the volley, mm. really. Um, so it really it, it is a case of 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 off key finishing, um, which in isolated incidents, then you can say we hit the post three times. But really, when you look at it, uh, uh, as I say, I think. I think I think it's more a case of uh, it, it. It goes down as a mistake, as, as chances missed, as mistakes made, rather than rather than unlucky. You know, unlucky. Sure. I know over the course of this season, that's been an issue, hasn't it? From the early part of the season, we were creating chances and not scoring enough. I think you know, even the first five or six games of the season, there was this stat where uh, compared to our, our goal conversion, basically uh, in relation to how many chances we were creating. Was was really really low, and that's been an issue all season long. I think you can see that reflected in in how many goals we've scored so far this season. But when we come back to the the way we play, and Tim, you've mentioned it there a couple of times. My, my feeling on this, right, is that uh, when Alexis Sanchez talks about how the team don't have belief to go and win the title, like he's he's talked up the players and he said they should be able to do it, but they lack the belief to go onto the pitch as if they're winning one nil. Arsene Wenger has always been a manager whose style of football is obvious, right? We know what way he wants to play. He's built like, uh, you know, when, when he had the, uh, the the young players coming through, we played this sort of vaguely Barcelona tiki-taki football. And over the last number of years, it's become slightly muddled. Like we've had great results by sitting back and countering um, you think about Manchester City, you think about Bayern Munich, um, you know, results like that where we've done really well. You think of Manchester United this season where it was quite the opposite, where we went at them uh, really, uh, really fast from the off. Uh, one of the, the, the best performances of the, of the season, one of the only good performances of the season. But I don't think these players know 
what exactly they're supposed to be doing or how they're supposed to be playing. No. That's to, to me, that's why I look at them and they, you're looking at them going, they, they don't know. It's, it's, it's so unlike, um, you know, what we've grown up with, really, um, of late, I should say. Um, and those performances you, you mentioned there, whether it was um, Man United or Bayern Munich um, or even Barcelona uh, previously, um, you've, had, um, you've had a good Arteta, a fit Arteta, or you've had a Santi Cazorla, obviously, um, taking the ball off, you know, taking the ball off uh, the back four, which has been a real... Which has been a real problem. Um, there are, you know, there are better technical people than me. But just as as, as I mentioned um, on Twitter this morning, with a, a tortured Broadchurch analogy of just seeing Mertesacker looking up, trying to pass to someone all the time, <laughs> and not knowing what to do. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't recognise this Arsenal where um, they've got, they like you say, they don't seem to know what to do. Um, they've got no one to play the ball to. I, I mean, I wonder if. If check to Mertesacker, Mertesacker to check was the most played pass yesterday, because um, mm. it's possible. Um, it's so unlike, it's so unusual to see um, a usually organised team s- struggle so struggle so hard. And that was actually been one of the get outs that we've had in the in these barren years. You know, we can sort of slightly put our noses in the air and say at least we enjoy our football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been a while since that's been the case. Yeah, Tim, any thoughts? I- yeah, I, th- I think um, on one hand, uh, I think we tried so hard because we had this problem a couple of years ago of getting walloped in big games and our record was so poor and we were all asking for kind of greater tactical flexibility, the ability to sit back and soak up pressure. It's actually something we do very well now. Um, but actually, I think you're right. It seems like we've kind of got gotten a bit muddled up. And uh, someone tweeted me the other day with a, with a question I, I found really quite enlightening actually he said um what are we are we a pressing team are we a sit back and contain team are we direct are we a passing team mm. and i thought yeah i don't know actually <laughs> like yeah. i'd you know on, on one hand it's it's kind of good to have um you know a lot of flexibility but it it, it feels like we haven't really mastered any of those styles uh, maybe at home against bigger opposition when we can sit back and i think Coughlin and Kazola is a uh, partnerships that, that's tailor-made for that kind of game particularly and and we've kind of had some success in those games but really it just it just kind of feels like we don't really have a style and when you look at kind of the way the squad has been quote-unquote constructed um, in recent times you know we kind of fell on Coquelin and Cazorla mm. by accident and in Aaron Ramsey I look around you know, and Aaron Ramsey um, is playing in central midfield, which is obviously going, you know, nobody, the player and the manager did not want him to play on the right in the long in the long term. That was never part of the long-term plan. But we haven't got, now that Mikel Arteta is dead, we haven't got a single <laughs> midfielder he can actually play with, um, which is which is baffling, really. It just mm. makes you think, what what's the plan? What was What was in the manager's mind when he was kind of, building this team it kind of feels like he was really really banking on that 11 he stumbled upon really at the in the second half of last season just lasting the course again yeah and you've only got to take a couple of links out of the chain and um a lot of those players in those positions don't work really Mm. or don't work as well and it doesn't really feel like we have a plan um to kind of to augment that do you think the manager 
knows quite what kind of football he wants to play because in recent years that you know like you mentioned the big defeats that we got and our record in big games and in a way we've we've addressed that but perhaps at the expense of of other factors of our game that were good that were effective mm. that were certainly more effective than they are now so on the one hand he's thinking okay well look in these big games we're more competitive we're we're winning the, we're winning some of these games we weren't doing that before but on the other hand I'm I'm a, a manager who likes to play attacking football. He likes his teams to impose themselves on the game. He doesn't like to be he doesn't like his team to be necessarily reactive. He wants them to be proactive. And and I think this sort of level of confusion that's coming from from him is transmitted to the players and I think that's affecting performances because I think yeah. they feel that as well. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, something I tweeted this morning actually that it, it's amazing I'm looking at an Arsene Wenger team and I'm thinking do you know what it really lacks it lacks technical players yeah. um, which which is just a balmy thing to say really but you know you look at the midfielders he's got that you'd qualify as kind of technical and it's Rosicki, um is dead Arteta dead Wilshere dead and then you've just got Cazorla and uh, it, it, it's, it's really yeah, yeah. I, I think and can... it's 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 just really weird when you look at that midfield of a few years ago. We used to play with a midfield four that had Kleb, Rosicki and Fabregas in it. We haven't got one player at the moment who is close to any of them in terms of, you know, speeding the game up and aiding transitions and things like that. And it's it's just, a, you know, the sort of player that Arsene Wenger loves, um, he just doesn't seem to have anymore. On that muddled tip, I mean, there were times more than more than a couple of times at Old Trafford where you saw Ozil coming back to get the ball off the back four because um, you know out of frustration more than anything. You can also see why the manager was so reluctant to play uh, Ramsey in the middle when he had um, as close to a full complement of players at the start of the season because it reminds me of that time. It reminds me a bit of um, when Benitez uh, said to Steven Gerrard, "You're not, you know, you're not a central midfielder," and started playing him uh, come, to try and utilise his strengths, but coming in off the coming in off the flank. Mm. Um, it's very similar to that. Ramsey's, you know, you can see when Ramsey gets the ball. Um, he, I mean, at least he runs forward. Christ, there's many who don't at the moment. At least he's running forward with it. He doesn't quite know what to do with it when he um, and. For 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 our dynamic centre midfielder to give the ball away so much um, is 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 a real worry. And and like you say, uh, like you both say, I, I I haven't seen such a sort of a poverty of a midfield for quite some time. And it's very surprising given the values mm. that um, that this manager's always um, you know expounded. Tyre, what did you make of the um, the the Joel Campbell uh, substitution? Because he is somebody who generally only gets about ha- an hour if he starts, yeah. or, or seventy minutes. But on on the night, it wasn't too dissimilar from the time he brought on. Was it Arshavin for Oxlade Chamberlain against Manchester United, and everyone went bananas? But, I think that's what I mean a little bit about the atmosphere. I think mm. I think he was going to. I think anyone was just about to get it, and it was a perfect time because I said to our lot. Um, Joel Campbell spent the first half right in front of us, where we sit, where we sit in the ground. Mm. He was patrolling our side. He was herring about. He played. He played really well. Um, 
But I did say, I said to uh, to the general, the midfield general, that there's no way he's going to last this game. Maybe, and and he said to me, well, maybe that's be- maybe he's playing the way he is because he knows already that he's going to only get you know that sixty to seventy minutes. And mm-hmm. Arsene does have his players, which um, who he does that too. So um, I think it turns out that he was one of our better performers on the night. Of course he was, but I wasn't so surprised by the substitution because. I think Joel Campbell was beginning to tire and I think um, as uh, once he gained confidence he wasn't tracking back as much in the second half so it it didn't I just think the circumstances um, added to the toxicity in there as it were but I don't think as a substitution itself it was that much of a problem Tim? Um, yeah I uh... The thing is, Campbell, he's he was playing really, really well. I think he was our, our, our best player. I, I agree with Tyo, though. I think anyone that would have come off, I think, pretty much there would have been... I mean, if Alexis... Even though he wasn't playing well at all, even if it had been Alexis, I think at that moment people wanted to vent. But um, I've, I found that... I, I didn't see much evidence at the time of the substitution that Joel Campbell's energy levels had dropped. I think they probably would have. Uh, given what we've seen from him before. However, I, I just didn't see that at the time, and it, mm. it kind of felt pre-planned, to be honest. And and the thing was, if you're lacking kind of calmness, if you're lacking someone who can pick a pass, well, Joel Campbell can actually do that. He's one of the few kind of players in our team who you know, qualifies as a remotely creative option. Um, and, you know, the, the substitution we did make just, you know, it just didn't, really help anyway so it was it was kind of done out of seniority more than anything that's yeah that's that's a point i made just before i uh, in the the intro part that i think it wasn't anything to do with merit it was to do with hierarchy uh, and the way that the manager views joel campbell as somebody who he can who he can treat like that in a way yeah you know who's who you could see he was disappointed when he was when he was coming off um, I, I take the point that he was he was not quite as effective in the second half, but I think as well, you know, there's a message, isn't there, when you do that, when a guy, when your team is not playing really, really well and you're struggling, but the guy who's got you a goal, who created a couple of good chances as well, uh, and who has, like, burst his hole for the team and made the, the most telling contribution, when you take him off, I think there's a message there somewhere, uh, and it's not a positive one. I think I think you're I think you are right there, and I think you know um, on merit. Then of course Alexis, for example, should have come off for um, for Welbeck. But um, I don't think I think there's been quotes over the years of um, from Lee Dixon or someone like that who said that the, you know this manager doesn't like confrontation and taking off the taking off the guy who's most grateful to be there kind of gives you you know is 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 an easy out and whether whether the manager should be doing that is another thing but taking off Alexis is probably something that he probably didn't want to yeah. have to deal with do you know what I mean sure I mean uh, look I would have left him on and we're going to come on to Alexis now I, I thought he played he was terrible in the second half he really was you know the free kick was was uh, was a moment but that was about it but you know if you're looking for somebody to make a contribution to do something you know we know it feels like he's getting a little bit closer uh, to having that little breakthrough moment uh, since his comeback um, and I just think that you'd feel more confident about getting a goal if you needed a goal with, with Alexis on the pitch and then uh, he took him off so uh, Tim um, I know that your column this evening uh, on Ars blog is about Alexis and I haven't had a chance to read it yet while we're recording um, what what do you make of 
how he's playing at the moment and what, what does Arsene Wenger do? Does he stick with him? I mean, you can't go to White Hart Lane, for example, and not play Alexis Sanchez. Um, yeah. He's sort of stuck, isn't he, in, in the sense that he has to give him the time to get back to where we know he can be. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, I mean, the fact that he did take him off and he took him off at 2-1 as well. Um, you know, that, that says a lot about what the manager thinks about the way he's playing. And he's been fairly vocal about, you know, that he's trying too hard and he knows he's in bad form. And I, th- I think he'd definitely think of dropping him were it not for the fact that who do you bring in? Theo Walcott? <laughs> I mean, even Chamberlain was getting games despite the fact that he was in really bad form. Mm. Um, or where well, he was kind of getting somewhere closer to not his best by any means, but competent. Um, and so that that's his choice is to is to put Theo Walcott in. There isn't really anybody else. I mean, I think the thing is, first of all, um, he's he's playing much deeper um, at the moment because of the lack of creative players. So all of his action is kind of near the centre circle when really you want him much closer to goal. Um, One of the things I I covered in the piece was that actually a lot of his numbers, like his passing numbers, the amount of block shots, the amount of shots are the same um, as they were when he was in his best form. Um, They're just not going in. Um, He's always been a fairly inefficient player, a bit like someone like Aguero is quite inefficient if you actually watch him. Suarez is quite inefficient if you watch him. They miss lots of chances. They miss lots of passes. But the thing they all share is they keep going until something happens for them. And then they'll do something that erases the effect of all of those shanked passes to nobody and those shanked shots into the crowd. Um, and it, he, that's what he's missing at the moment. He's just not clinical. Um, and I think had that shot gone in in the first half, that would have been so, so important for him. But, I mean, I, I just think at the moment, particularly from the wide areas, you know, there's, you look at all of our options and none of them are especially creative. And, and one of the things I'd give serious thought to, uh, we were talking about the midfield earlier, I think Ozil's kind of an elephant in the room in terms of because he has such a free role. And don't get me wrong, he's, he's that good a player that you give him a free role. But it means that the midfield two are, are quite exposed um, defensively. And one, one, And I think we lack creativity in the front line. And I wonder if it's worth revisiting you know, perhaps putting Ozil on the right or the left for a game or two um, to kind of bring us that creativity a little bit higher up the pitch and perhaps solidify the middle a little bit more. Um, I think it's definitely worth thinking about Mm. whether it's worth doing is another thing. Um, But with Alexis, I I think you're right. I think he is getting a bit closer. But actually his overall game is not hugely different to what it usually is. It's just he's he's far too deep. and the ball's just not going in the net for him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder about that. You know, if you play play Ozil wide, um, do you not leave yourself exposed there? And, you know, that's kind of where we've been found out a bit. Maybe. Yeah. Tyler, Certainly what, against Tottenham, yeah. who play two yeah. very adventurous fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. Tyre, what's your thoughts on, on the, the struggles, the trials and tribulations of Alexis, Alexis. Sanchez? <laughs> Yeah, it's really it's it's a little bit painful to watch at the moment because everything. Uh, I mean, you've seen it a lot with players out of form, especially when p- players who rely on a short burst of pace like that. He's not, you know, he's not getting away from he's not getting away from people in front of him, and he and he seems to be he seems to be pausing a little bit and letting a defender get set, 
which earlier on in the season when he was doing everything, when there was a bit more of a speed of thought, then then, then that wasn't the case. So yeah, he's definitely he's definitely thinking about it too much. It's a definitely a tricky one. You know, Lord knows we're carrying enough we're carrying enough players at the time um, without having you know without having to carry another one. The manager mm. is stuck because he is you know he is a game changer. He's an explosive talent, and you have to keep waiting for it to happen. But it's costing us attacking moves again and again. Watching him get frustrated yesterday was 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 really painful to watch as well. He was you know kicking the ground and punching his fist. Um, sorry, punching his hand and mm. like looking up to the sky and all the exclamations. So it's really playing on his mind at the moment. So it's a very tricky thing to watch. But then, you know, given given the people we have fit and given his status in the squad, there's not much we can do at the moment apart from hope that he, he can play through it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, if you did have alternatives or if the rest of the team weren't playing so poorly at the moment, you could say, okay, take him out of the firing line let him you know recharge and, and come back in but you know I don't think we have those options and I think we've got to uh I think we've we've just got to keep playing him and certainly we've got to play him um in the derby on Saturday um, and it's not just him manager at all I mean I, no, I'm struggling sure. to think of I'm struggling to think of a time when we've had so many players out of form at the same time it seems really unlike this team um, to have so many players struggling at once, you know, all of those—I mean, all those wide positions have been a problem for for at least half this season. You know, mm. yeah, this is true. Tim, how are you feeling about the derby on Saturday? We've got a couple more things to talk about. We might as well just do the the, the derby thing first, and then we'll we'll speak about the manager. Um, I'd, I'd say terrified, but I'm always terrified <laughs> by derby games, so I, I don't think I'm any more terrified than usual. Um, I suppose something I'd try and do is come up with reasons why we might win it. Well, form goes actually, out the window in the derby. Well, well, there is that, and and Spurs actually, you know, and don't get me wrong, they they deserve the kudos um, that's that's come their way this year. But with teams like Spurs and Leicester, because there isn't the same level of expectation, there's not the same level of criticism. And actually, Spurs have had some dodgy games. They lost at home to Palace. They lost at home to Leicester. They should have lost at home to Leicester in the FA Cup as well. They're not invincible. Um, I, I admit I, I haven't seen anything of their game last night, but I read a piece Barney Rone wrote, and um, he, you know, he said they looked quite anxious. You know, they had the chance to go top against West Ham, and he said that they were very, very anxious. I actually happened to end up sitting next to a West Ham fan on the train home um, last night, and he said to me they were terrible. That that Spurs, he was expecting. You know, Spurs to really, really come at them, and and actually they look very, very tentative. And he said it, he thought it's the worst he'd seen them play this season. So, you know, there's a chance that it's playing on their mind a little bit, and they've got another chance to go top if they beat us. I think I'm right in saying. Mm. Um, so, you know, we we can but hope that that pressure tells on them. I, I also think it's not a bad thing for us to be away from home at the moment. And if there is one place that you can absolutely guarantee that the Arsenal fans will back you it's at Spurs Mm. Um, and it's not so much out of um, you know deference to the team needing a G up it's it's kind of one-upmanship really yeah it's because they're Um, cunts yeah yeah exactly but you know (laughs) it does take the team well obviously they're in a toxic environment because they're at White Hart Lane but at at least it's not kind of their own fans on their back and um, don't get me wrong I think that's overstated when people point fingers at that but 
I, you know, I, was, fans it, like having an impact on the team because of the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit overplayed, but yeah. I think when you're as low on confidence as Arsenal are, it you know it might have half a percent, um, and that you know that can be that can be enough when you're when you're not really feeling confident. So you know I, I don't think Spurs are. Um, they play brilliantly, but I don't think they're this invincible force that everybody's saying they are. No. Um, and well, like you say, like in derbies, you know, the the form can go out the window a little bit. And really, if they if they can't get themselves up for this, um, then there's you know there's very big problems. Mm. But they haven't got themselves up for these before recent in 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 recent times. Um, you know. Um, which worries me. I'm, 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 I'm torn with this one. I mean, obviously, I think we can all agree it's, it's a horrendous occasion. Um, it's sooner over with. Um, even in, even in better times, I just want to get out of there with the obligatory one-all draw, and and go back to my life. You know, um, but it's, it's, it's this one has taken on such a significance. I, I like to think that it will play a little bit. Um, not into our hands, that's the wrong words, but it is in our favour to be um, the written-off team of underdogs at the moment because that in itself, when you look at the squad and the riches that we have, it's funny for us to be underdogs. But if, you know, if, if there's an element of any of overconfidence with their, you know, with their horrible fans, and and you know, if if Deli Ali can lose his temper, or you know, I don't think it's going to be such a bad thing for us to go into it with everybody having written us off. But I did think having the reason why I had that caveat at the beginning is because I thought that yesterday, after the absolute coating that we got uh, after the Old Trafford game, I thought the, I thought they'd come out and you know and give a shit. Um, and, yeah. and and that and that didn't kind of happen. So yeah, just all I can do is watch it through my fingers, like everyone else. That that that's sort of the worry for me. I have to say because you know I thought last Sunday at Manchester United, I thought this uh, was the time where we could go and really make a statement. This team, this group of yeah. players. Yeah, we hadn't been playing well, but look, guys, look at what's ahead of you, and look at what you can achieve if you go there and you really put in a performance. And the fact that we weren't able to put it put in the right kind of performance was a worry. That we weren't then, as Arsene Wenger said, able to turn the criticism into motivation against Swansea. That that's a that's a real worry. Tyo, do you worry that the manager is no longer able? to motivate the players to the standard required? Yes, yes, I do. Um, I think it's... I think there's always been questions um, of how he motivates the players anyway. I think he's very much... You know, he's on record and ex-players have always said, you know, he expects it to come from from within. I think... um, I don't think motivation is the problem in the same way that, you know, um, I think, Tim, you said this morning very well or something about, you know, the intangibles that we always hear about, about bottle and passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not about that. Um, but is, I, isn't it about being able to make them or get them rather than make them, well, make them maybe it is, but, but get them to perform. You know, I don't mean that he's standing there giving them the whole, you know, come on, run around a bit, guys. You know, that not that kind of thing. There's a different, there's a, there's a different level of it, I guess. Um, I don't think it's. 
I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that that side of it has really been lost because I don't really think that that side of it has ever really been a, a massive part of 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 this te- of his teams or his management style. Mm. In the good in the good days, um, in the better days, shall we say, then you had players who did that themselves. Um, you know, we've heard often about the training sessions where you know Keown and Campbell versus you know Wrighty and um, uh, Thierry and and, and, and Pires, and um, I think those players did it themselves. I don't think that's an issue for this team or this management. I think I think it would be great if right now that they were it, they were capable of having a rocket put up them. Um, and I guess if that answers your question, I don't think he's the person to be able to put a rocket out there. I don't think that's what he could do. Mm. Um, and what concerns me the most concerning uh, the manager, apart from you know the, the, the balance of the team, which I'm sure we'll get to any second, is what we talked about earlier on about just the muddle, the jumble that they're playing in at the moment. That's what surprises me most, and that's what I always thought um, Arsene Wenger would 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 be on top of. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, that's a that's a real worry as well. But Tim, it feels like this week has has seen people tip over from yeah. one one side to the other. And you know, again, I, I want to make the point that Arsene Wenger is somebody that I I like a lot. I like listening to him. I respect him a huge deal for what he's done at Arsenal Football Club. Um, but you know, you can you can like him and you can respect him, but you can also think that you know now it might well be time for change, particularly in a season when the Premier League has panned out the way it has, where this opportunity, and it really is a huge, or it was, I don't know if it still is, but it was a huge opportunity to win the title this season that if if he can't win it this season, it doesn't feel like he's ever going to win it again. Um, So, I mean, I I know we're dealing in, in shoulds here rather than what will actually happen because we know that this Arsenal board but I mean what, what's what's been your thoughts on what the last week has, has uh, brought to your consideration of Arsene Wenger um, I mean that's, for, for a start I don't quite buy the doomsday scenario in terms of people saying we'll never get um, another chance to win it again because I remember people saying the same when you know Chelsea hired Mourinho United had Van Gaal Pellegrini came and everyone said right that's it you know they're all going to sort themselves out now um, nevertheless there, there's absolutely no denying this is a huge opportunity if you look at the fact that we're ahead of Manchester City Manchester United Chelsea Liverpool um, some of them quite comfortably and yet we're all still in a pretty narky mood um, about life I mean that's that's incredible really um, that all those clubs are really underperforming and we're just and, and we're you know in terms of you look at points totals and the rest we're kind of just doing what we always do um and it just so happens that this season the ceiling's a little bit lower and actually you look at it and think well just step it up another couple of percent and you'll win the league Mm. and um and it's you know was it in 2014 we finished fourth with 79 points um that i think 79 points will win the league this year Mm. um so we only really have to stand still um, to win it but it, it, it does just kind of feel like and it's it's a slightly crazier league this year and other other teams are much stronger in in terms of um, how I feel about Arsene Wenger I, I do think that there's a there's a very big kind of feeling that if it doesn't happen this year that there's really no excuse um, to be honest because usually if you're finishing behind the likes of Chelsea Man City even Man United you've got I don't want to call it an excuse, but you've got a, a pretty valid reason for it. But 
you know, if it's Leicester and Spurs, there's, mm. you know, basically all the other teams that are underperforming and are behind Leicester and Spurs, those managers are going to lose their jobs. Um, Mourinho's already gone. Van Gaal's going to go. Pellegrini's gone. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're all, you know, underperforming and all of their managers are going to get the brunt of that. And so, you know, you ask the question, why not ours? Um, yeah. And 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 it's a it's a pretty decent question um, to be honest. And but it but it's a bit weird. What if we win the FA Cup and finish second? <laughs> well, that you know, I, I I kind of I have a feeling something like that might happen. That there might just be this little carrot that kind of just keeps you reeled in and invested a little bit and makes you think, well, but then maybe next season we can kick on from here. But it it does feel like stasis um, to be honest to mm. me. Um, and this 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 season was a big big opportunity where even Stasis would be enough to yeah. win it. But I mean, is is there not also the case that the, the Stasis doesn't just exist in the managerial chair? It exists at board level as well because we know that Stan Kroenke Tayo is not a guy who gives shit one way or the other. Really, he doesn't care. You know, he's got his money in Arsenal. He's got the the cash reserves. It's a part of his business portfolio, and ultimately. If you look at what he does, and uh, so many of our uh, American readers and listeners have, have emailed me over the years and said with Kroenke, like his teams, he doesn't care one way or the other whether they're successful or not. He's not interested in presiding over sports franchises that win things. He likes them to, you know, to operate at a certain level financially. Um, we know that they're not, even if Arsenal don't win the league this season, um, unless there's like a flaming mob of pitchforks, like an actual one that goes down the stadium, we know that they're not going to, to sack Arsene Wenger. So does that in some way, uh, and I don't want to take away from the fact that Arsene Wenger is obviously a man who wants to win things. You can see he kicks every ball. You know, he, he suffers on the sidelines. Uh, you can see that in him, that he wants to win. Uh, we can all hold our hands up and say, well, maybe you could do more. To, to make your team win, but um, he is not going... Oh, fuck, I've completely lost my point here. Uh, <laughs> what was I talking about? You're talking about uh, uh, picking up from Kroenke. Yeah. Uh, is Stasis in the boardroom, basically. Correct. So does this then uh, maybe subconsciously affect Arsene Wenger? So he says, oh, well, there's no pressure on me to actually go out and spend money on outfield players. So... I, I'll, I'll just do what I feel like is kind of safe because there's a, there's a there's a safe environment there for him to work in. I definitely think there's a safe environment and that that he's become comfortable in. I don't think there's anyone who's ever pushed him. Um, there's certain you know half half stories whether you know whether they're true or not. But there's been times where um, you've heard that he's been put, egged on to egged on a little bit to 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 spend some of that money um but i don't think there's anyone anywhere near him who can who can challenge him and they've set that up they've set that up so clearly which in good times sounds sounds great you know stability we all you know we've all beat that drum in 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 you know when the dream was still alive around you know 2008 9 10 whatever mm. we're beating that drum about stability and 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 so on it is now complete millstone around their necks um and Arsene Wenger doesn't have anyone who can tell him any different and i think 
I think he probably could have benefited with you know the relationship he had early on in, in his Arsenal career with David Dean and someone to actually be able to say, well, come on, mate. Because as you say, um, Kroenke doesn't Kroenke is not bothered about you know um, the same things that we are. And and you can look at American owners throughout the league, whether it's in a terrible way with Randy Lerner um, or um, or at the top end with us there is a way you know this this is the way that this is the way that american owners run their football clubs so take out that kind of surprise of it um mm. the stacys um can only be changed by by a manager who now either seems um or two things either he's still paralyzed by kind of fear of making the wrong decisions which which is a which is which is an indictment um, or he genuinely thinks that um, the team that he's got together is 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 strong enough, and I do, um, which is clearly not the case because the fact that Matthew Flamini can be anywhere near the pitch to foul um, <laughs> um, Messi in the first place is a is a massive indictment of of of, of, of the transfer policy. Mm. So it's it's uh, the board is the board, but a stronger more dynamic manager at this point can do something about that because it's his you know because they've told him it's his club um and people are quite quick to to um, tim you mentioned about winning the fa cup again um i think the reason why it's taken people different lengths of time shall we say to 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 come around to any kind of view on the manager's position is that there is always next season and you can see what the method is and you can see how we're almost there. So They always give you that glimmer of hope. They always always give you, it's the hope that kills you, right? If only we had like two or three players, blah, blah. It's always two or three players. And this year, this year, uh, Matthew Flamini came on the pitch and something inside me broke. Something inside me snapped then, <laughs> really. So, um, I mean, it's much more of a nuanced argument than you're allowed in in, in, in these Arsenal social media times. Mm. But um, And like you say, I think you can have huge respect for someone and still massively criticise them, and that's how I feel right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, li- I'm like that. Um, the abuse drives me mad. But at the same time, uh, you know, just the way that it's gone this season and, you know, i got friends who are season ticket holders who came out of last uh, the game on Wednesday night talking about not renewing their season tickets because they're just they're just fed up with it. They're tired of, of watching the same thing. They're tired, Tim, of being two or three players away every season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I don't think that Arsene Wenger, you know, thinks of the club as his own personal fiefdom or anything like that. I don't think there's an arrogance to it. I do think what has happened is that he's become inherently more conservative, um, and you can see it in a lot of his team selections. Sometimes I think it, you can see it in the transfer policy as well. Is that not like something to expect from a man who is now? 65 or 65. Yeah, as, as you absolutely. get older you you naturally become more conservative absolutely and you can tell he feels so much for the club as well um that you know it of course you're going to be a bit more risk averse if you're if you've been somewhere for 20 years and you love it and he clearly does love the club you know to to i think almost the detriment of his health by the looks of it sometimes i think he he feels deeply and actually that you know that that might that might be you know adversely influencing that you know because you look at 
the the one I can't get my head around, for example, I, I can get my head around why the world-class striker hasn't appeared. And I think he desperately wants that. You know, he went for Suarez, he went for Higuain, he's gone for all sorts. Um, I think he desperately wants that. But I, I can see why it hasn't arrived because there's just they're, they're just not on the market. But then when I look at something like Arteta, who is the sort of player he's been prepared to depend on for years, um, and not incorrectly, in my opinion... Um, but, you know, he gave up on him this season so, so quickly after a couple of appearances. Um, and again, not incorrectly, it's, it's very obvious that, you know, he's just physically not up to it anymore. But he, he must have been thinking over the summer. He must have been close to that decision. He can't have just all of a sudden decided, right, Arteta's not up to it anymore. He must have thought, you know, there's a good chance that's going to happen for him to have made that decision so quickly. And, and yet then from, for sorry. someone who's been like the fault, you know, a fulcrum of our team for so long, and then not to kind of try and recruit someone to who can remotely do that job, um, it just seems it, it just seems like that safe conservative, you know, sticking instead of twisting, and and you know perhaps we're in a position now where we can we can literally afford to take some risks. Mm. Um, so it, it it does strike me that. And, you know, you look at the team selections and things like that. When things clearly aren't working, um, he still tends to stick with what he knows, even if what he knows is underperforming. And here we sit with El Nenny on the on the on on, on the bench, um, untrusted on in March, two months after we signed him, mm. um, which 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 doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and you know, again, I can applaud. I can applaud the, the 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 loyalty that that he shows. We I think we didn't buy a forward in January because he was waiting for Danny Welbeck. Um, um, but there was glaring holes in the squad. Which um, loyalty aside, it doesn't make sense to have not to to have not um, augmented the squad. Um, a midfield of you know. A midfield with Riziki, um, with Arteta, with you know, I'm not going to go dead, dead, dead again, but you've because you've done that. But there are <laughs> there are six or seven players there in a squad of what is it, 23, mm, 25, um, yeah, who, who who will not play football this season, who will not play. Almost, you know that from September, they will not play football. Mm. So so replace them. Yeah. And not least, I mean, we haven't got into the 160, 170 odd in the bank. Um, and I'm surprised <laughs> that um, that he gets more, con- that one would get more conservative. I mean, I, I was, when you said that earlier, I was thinking, did Ferguson do that as well? Um, and- I don't know. I mean, I think that's just natural human nature. There was a, a great piece by Ken Early in the Irish Times where he said, Arsene Wenger, at this point, you know, he would rather um, he would rather do nothing than make a mistake. And, yeah. and that seems to be the case when you look at when you look at Wilshire, when you look at um, uh, even someone like Walcott, for example, where perhaps a decision could have been made a season ago or two seasons ago. But when you get when you get when you get when you're when you're when you're feeling uh, when you get half excited and you you know you, and you get in an Urzil or a Sanchez, you know. Whack the zip all the way down and let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't get don't get shy. Then, if you're going to go and buy forty two million pounds worth of joy, then give him someone else to pass to. Yes, <laughs> please. Yes, because you've gone that far. So do the rest. Yeah, 
Yeah. I agree. All right, gents, listen, um, I, I appreciate your time because we've been uh, rattling on for the best part of an hour now, and I know that people have places to be and, and uh, things to do. So, uh, Tao Papula from uh, the Tuesday Club, thank you very much indeed. It flew by. Thanks, Andrew. Sure did. And Tim Stillman, thank you. Thank you. I, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else will, but maybe. <laughs> it's probably the beer you've been drinking, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Good night, gents. Nice Cheers. one. Take care. Bye. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thanks very much indeed to both my guests there. Uh, time really did fly by, almost an hour. Uh, if you want to follow them on Twitter, you can do that. Tayo is at DJ Tayo. And of course, you can hear him uh, on the Tuesday Club podcast with Alan Davis and the rest of the crew. Uh, Tim Stillman at Stillberto. And you'll find his column here on Ars Blog every Thursday. So make sure you uh, check in and read those too. So I don't know. What are we going to do now? Because that was a long chat really was a long chat, and we've sort of covered the derby, we covered all the stuff during the week, and, and everyone came out feeling a little bit better, a little bit. What if I keep talking and, and ruin that? What if, I t- what if I do my new impression? This is my best impression. I've been working on this for a long time. Okay, this is my impression of the Tyrannosaurus Rex in Jurassic Park approaching the car with the kids in it. Can't do his growl as he looks in the window, though. It's pretty good, though, no? Yes. Sorry, I'm playing around with it. I've found all kinds of things on this thing, apart from synthesizers and pianos and stuff. You can get all kinds of weird noises. It's great, and I love noises. Ooh. Film trailer noises. Maybe I should make a film trailer. I was going to talk about some other stuff to this week, actually, uh, about footballers and social media, but I don't feel like this week is probably the best week to do it. And we've, you know, we've gone over the hour now already, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. You know, I know it's precious. I know you've got a limited amount of time in which to uh, to listen to me. So I might just save that for another week, maybe when things aren't quite as, you know. Not so much other stuff going on. Maybe that's a slow week news story. But uh, yeah, we can can cover that. So look, that's it really. North London Derby tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask. I just don't know what's going to happen. 
Tis a derby. Anything can happen. Form goes out the window. Blah, 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 blah. But also, you know, it's, it's very hard not to be worried that this, uh, this week won't have sapped what little confidence and belief we have. Maybe because it's a derby, you know, we'll, we'll redouble our, our chances of turning the uh, criticism into motivation and, and uh, reacting and responding. We'll do double hard of that and it'll actually work and we'll feel a lot better come sort of what, half two uh, or two o'clock, whatever it might be on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Maybe we'll feel better because that would make me feel better. Obviously, I'd like us uh, very much to win that game and it makes all of our lives better and easier if Arsenal win. And I say that as somebody who's had to get up and write about this week every single day. I'm not complaining about it, but, you know, life is easier when we win because it's better. So uh, I think Arsenal owe us, don't they? After the week we've had, I think they owe us a victory. Don't care how we get it. I don't care how lucky it is, how spawny it is. Frankly, I don't care if we pull off the greatest piece of gamesmanship or football cheating that the game has ever seen that leaves everybody outraged to the point where they're going bananas, apoplectic with rage, that it'll go on in the newspapers for weeks and weeks and weeks. They'll be talking about how dreadful and terrible and nasty and how just terrible people we are. I don't care. I want that, actually, now. Now that I think about it, that's what I want. Some piece of arch gamesmanship that wins us the game and Tottenham go mental and everyone else goes mental, but we don't because we've got three points. And that's really all that matters. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for that. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arscast Extra for you. Uh, of course, we've got FA Cup action next week as well, don't we? Yeah, the uh, the replay against Hull. And then we'll have to see what happens uh, for the weekend after that. So look, let's everybody keep fingers crossed that this uh, this game tomorrow turns out better than the games we've had to endure this week. Talk to you on the Arscast Extra on Monday and, of course, on next week's Arscast. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. As always, cheers. Bye-bye. Andre, Andre, I uh, know you're busy, but can we get a quick word? Oh, OK, OK. I'm sure you've seen the football this week. Two losses for Arsenal, and it looks like their title chances are down the toilet. What, what, what do you think's gone wrong? Oh, it's very obvious that uh, when Arshavin leave, team do not have any mental strength anymore. Don't have one bit. But uh, I'm not quite sure that mental strength was something that you were particularly renowned for. Oh no, Arsene Wenger tell me many times, Andre, don't eat all cakes, don't eat those biscuits, don't eat a whole packet of penguins, don't eat 6,000 jelly baby, but I have mental strength to eat all the goodies. I'm pretty sure that that's not mental strength and actually that's gluttony. Of course I gluttony, 
I've got two knees. Can't play football without knees. Uh, where are you off to today, Andre? Play shop. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.